out. But I can just do that on the editing side. Stick out the mandolin and the <laughs> voice. The whole thing, really. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, a show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jory Nareth, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. Sup, sup. What's up, buddy? How you been, man? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was good. Fulfilling as food-wise as can be, and uh, family members all week has been... Okay. I'm just joking. They've been it's, great. Been, it's been just okay. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Yeah. That, that sounds like the holidays. Right on. Got some good food in. Got some good uh, some good family time in. Good family. Yep. It was a pretty good week. Uh, I mean, it flew by, right? I mean, it's already Sunday. So, I mean. I know. It's a, it's a good it's week. It's crazy. So, yeah. Absolutely crazy. We're already in December. Uh, right on, man. Then we got our third host, Zach Barlow. How you living, kid? I'm living pretty good, Jordan. What do I look like right now? A lumberjack. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You look like Let somebody is wearing in. a lumberjack costume. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, yeah. you don't look like an actual You know, it's funny that I look like a lumberjack, Jordan, because you know what I did today? Made your fiance chop down a tree. That's not you. what I did. I walked into the forest <laughs> in boots and mud, put my knees in the mud, took a handsaw, Jordan, a handsaw, cut a tree down, hauled the tree to a truck. Drove the truck home, threw the tree on my mahogany floors, looked at Alicia and said, bring me Christmas. And you know what she's doing right now? Death. She's doing just that, Jordan. Just that. Well, the good thing about Zach, everybody, and I'm sure you know this if you're listening, is that he <laughs> likes to uh, film these events and share them with the world. So if you follow him on Instagram, <laughs> you'll know that none of that actually happened. And Alicia was chopping down the tree while he was giving... Updates throughout and <laughs> critiquing her form. So <laughs> there's two sides. The of world the will never know the truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, the world knows the truth. Zach will never accept the truth. That's what it sounds like. Um, but no, man, that's awesome. So you guys got your Christmas tree, went out and chopped it down like some some legit fucking goddamn Americans. Yeah, cut down your own tree. <laughs> Where? <laughs> you put that lumberjack outfit on after the fact, or were you wearing that the whole time? Oh, I was wearing this the whole time. <laughs> okay, because it doesn't look dirty, like, at all. So Dude, this is for the YouTube. <laughs> there's no there's no YouTube today. Oh, oh shit, like... there's no YouTube. <laughs> for our listeners, no, I, I got dirt know. stains on my jeans. He's Mark. got a couple... <laughs> He's got a couple yeah, our, dust uh, spots. It's like little dust couple spots. Couple dust spots. <laughs> 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 yeah. Looks like he was kneeling on the ground in his on his mahogany floors. While he was <laughs> <up his>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, uh, our fourth member of the team, Vinny McBroom, our guy in the chair. He's uh, he's out with a, a family event tonight. Um, it is the holiday, so we will not be having video for this episode. Um, but we'll be coming back with that shortly. So yeah, uh, today we are talking. House and Powers of X, the new uh, X-Men story arc. And we are drinking uh, Celebration IPA from Sierra Nevada. So a few reasons why we're drinking Celebration as we go into our beverage breakdown. Um, It's one of the trending uh, beers on Untapped right now, which is a very awesome beer app. Um, If you don't have it, hop on it. If you enjoy beer, it tells you what's trending, what's new. And it also tells you where to find it in your local area. Uh, so definitely recommend that. We're all on it. Hop on, follow us, and we'll we'll, pe- we'll post out some suggestions and obviously feed off of your guys' as well. But um, the Celebration IPA is one that is trending currently globally, and for good reason. It's it's the first kind of holiday beer introduced to the market typically for Sierra Nevada. Um, it originated in 1981, and uh, it blazed the trail for, uh, for kind of American-style IPAs. Um, which are more usually citrusy um, and focus on the hops and the bitters as opposed to the body um, or the alcohol content. And um, also gave a new take on the holiday beer because usually when you go to holiday beer, you get a lot of spice, you know, some sweet sometimes, that, that stout, that warm feeling. And they went kind of just off on their own path. They did IPA, they did citrus, they did pine, they did all this other stuff to kind of keep it a sharp IPA. But I think the pine adds a little bit of the holiday flair. So um, JR and I will be drinking. Zach is um, amidst his lumberjack cleanse. Um, so more power <laughs> to you on that, big dog. A lumberjack that doesn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> the lumber Pancakes cleanse. and syrup, baby. The lumber cleanse. Dude. I love that. Uh, just smelling cedar. I, I, all right, so... You going straight out the bottle? You pour this in a glass, Jr. I I do bottles. I mean, mm-hmm. 
What do you get from the nose? You get anything stick out to you? Um, definitely. You definitely got like a, a strong hop smell for sure. There's not really kind of like uh, usually what I'm used to is like floral kind of smelling. You know, like yeah. there's a little bit of a mask in there, but I'm I'm I feel like this is just gonna be really awful. This smells like hops and water. <laughs> 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 oh man, I miss drinking with you, buddy. Uh, yeah, it smells like hops and water. <clears throat> I get a little bit of citrus. I get a little I, bit of like lemon. It says layered pine and citrus hops. Aromas balance delicately. I don't smell any any citrus, but I'll taste it. Let me taste it. I feel like the smell uh, also is is harder to come by with in the bottle. Like if you pour it into a glass normally, yeah, yeah, it releases like a lot okay. of the smell. And the color is almost like a almost like an auburn, a little mapley. <clears throat> it's not quite IPA like that that yellowish hue. It's got it's got a real dark uh brown. It's pretty red. dark for an IPA. Yeah. This is the first time I had this one. Uh it's exactly what I thought. <laughs> it's not <laughs> hoppy water. So, yeah. So you love it. It's like it's someone like wet cereal. Exactly. They just put like a bathtub <laughs> full of hops and put water in there and let it set over the weekend. No, <laughs> sounds, sounds delicious, man. No, no, it's 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 not the worst, but it's not. I mean, it's nothing special. I mean, I'm freak a celebration here. I'm like, I'm looking for like this big pizzazz, you know this this walk in the in, fuck in, yeah, <laughs> celebrate this walk in the in the want? metal of a fantastic beer, and I, I'm tasting just a normal beer that I guess it's. Not impressed. Do you get any holiday vibe from it at all? Not, a, not at all. I mean, it takes like... <laughs> God, I wish we had video. I know. Of JR. I know. <laughs> I just... Well, um... Yeah. <laughs> I don't... I get... So I get more floral and, and pine than I do... I think I do citrus. I, may, I get a little hint of lemon at the end, but yeah. The only thing that stinks holiday of that is the label on the bottle and the pine. But other than that, I don't get any holiday. So Is the pine, like, does, pretty strong? It's it's not like gin, like it doesn't taste like straight juniper berries, but it does has like I an wish. underlying like pine. I know it, it does give me that that pine taste. That's like probably the most prominent flavor I would say. But uh, I don't get a whole lot of citrus from it, and I don't get. A, I, I guess when I think of holiday, like I said before, you think of spice or even like a little sweet, and I don't get any of that. So it's really hard to like. I could have this year round and not think of it as a holiday beer, but. Mm. I like it. I think it's delicious. Yeah. Um, the the three hops that it does feature, it features Cascade, Chinook, and Centennial. Uh, Cascade's going to be a citrus and a floral hop. Centennial's a citrus and a floral hop. And then Chinook is a bitter in, in the pine hop. So I think the Chinook is the most prominent here, at least. And, and I get a lot more floral than I would citrus. Um, <clears throat> 6.8% ABV and 65 IBU. So it's right in the middle of the kind of the bitterness scale there and and it's uh pretty high on the on the abv 6.8 that's pretty strong so um basically I, I i think it's a good beer i think it's definitely uh sessionable i could drink several of these um but i don't get the holiday feel from it maybe it's just because it's just the tip of the iceberg it's it's december one you know we're not mm, we're not at yeah. christmas yet but this is just a little here's a little pine tree for you sounds it like sounds like it's square. not it's not the the greatest ever in the world <laughs> it's not the greatest ever in the world but it is uh i think it's very uh i think would you rate it to drink um or let me let me let me ask you a more specific question uh is it worth trending to be to be the number one trending beer right now i think that the only reason that it's trending right now is because it's considered a holiday beer if it was not a holiday beer i don't think it'd be trending right now but it's an easy drinkable beer and it's good and it has a holiday theme to it, so fair enough. It's just good, mar- good marketing from Sierra Nevada, if you ask me. Yeah, that's that's what I got from that. So that's our beverage breakdown. Um, we've been reading these X Men comics for months now, uh, so I'm very excited to get into this story time with Jr. Um, what do you got for us, Jr.? What is? Are you going to go House and then Powers? You guys can combine the two. I'm going to go. Explain what the readers need to know. Yeah, so there's a, a um, there's an order to this story, um, and it's actually uh, House of X and Powers of Ten is what it's called. Uh, Powers of X. Oh. So just depends on who you're talking to, but uh, I've heard Jonathan Hickman call it Powers of Ten. Um, Interesting. And, and so Jonathan Hickman is obviously the writer, and this this is another story I think where the the writer. Um, 
is the strongest value to this instead of the art. The art is great. It makes it, it makes hmm. it better. But I feel like Jonathan Hickman um, takes this to another level. And I've heard people describe Jonathan Hickman as the god of writers of comic books uh, because of the way he does things. Um, and so that's quite a title. Th- yeah, it, what the fuck? It's, it's, <clears throat> it is. And it, if you know a little bit anything about Jonathan Hickman, um, which I guess we can go into a little bit about him, is he's, he's written some stories. I mean, the ultimate um, Fantastic Four to the uh, um, the new Avengers and, you know, the X-Men stories. And what Jonathan Hickman has done is everything that he's ever written can be tied in together. So if you were to get like a Jonathan Hickman, like, let's say, collection... You could start with Ultimate Fantastic Four, move into Secret Wars, move into X-Men or New Avengers, and then move into X-Men, and they would all connect somehow. There's some kind of reference to each story in there. And so that's kind of... That's pretty sick. It is. And that's kind of why they talk to him about being the god of writers, because what he does is is he's created a universe. And if anybody's read this, he created a a whole universe, a whole world of X-Men here. Um, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. anytime you talk about X-Men, there's only a couple, couple writers that you really kind of mentioned. Um, even, even, the uh, Stan Lee and, and Jack Kirby, even they weren't the great and they created X-Men, right? They weren't even, um, you talk about Chris, uh, Claremont, which we, we, you know, we kind of did the dark Phoenix, like you talk about him and now Jonathan Hickman's kind of involved in that, in that conversation of F- best X-Men stories. Um, hmm. But he's also had some really good, I- intense stuff. I mean, it's really, it's really good stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> but I wanted to kind of give a, a, a quick prehistory uh, or a history, not prehistory, a history of of kind of how events started. And, and um, if you're a comic book reader or you're an X Men enthusiast, you kind of know that X Men have always gone through this turmoil, right? There's always some hate or some violence or something that where um, that changes the alt the uh, the path. Of where they're going right like there's always some kind of major event um and it kind of starts off with the house of m um i don't know if you've ever heard about the house house of m we'll probably do a story about that but that's where the scarlet witch took out the mutant gene out of all the mutants so almost took yeah. the right um and then you go into uh um the x-men uh, messiah complex where the one mutant the first mutant born after that you know hope comes to life and then you got uh, avengers versus x-men which happened, you know, about five, six years ago. Um, and all those stories where uh, Professor X kind of dies, gets shot in the head, I think, every single time. And it kinda, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. It was the shot in the head. Well, I guess that makes sense. That's his, that he's, that's his weapon of choice, right? Um, but yeah. it kind of leads to this story. Um, at that time, Professor X is dead. And so there's kind of a really cool thing that I found out about this is the Professor X in this storyline... Um, is actually not his body anymore. He actually took over a different body um, called... Uh, uh, he was an X-Force guy. I'm not sure if he was a, a, like a mutant, but it's, his uh, his name is uh, Phantom X. And Phantom X had different parts, different hearts, different different parts of his body. And he made a deal with him to go into the astral plane to be a totally different... Like, be off in this world where he... Like, it just... It's, it's easier for him. But he actually took his body. So that mask you're seeing is actually not that's why you never really see his face because it's actually not his body anymore it's somebody Wait, else what what yeah. what how did you find that out yeah like, why dude, is that that's not like in the story not what i read bro like that's yeah. all it's not even not brought professor up professor x it's it is professor x he took over but it and it's not his body his he's actually dead many many times over but his he actually took someone else's body and he made a deal with it um did i write down where what um it's actually, I did notice well, I was, that it was crazy that Professor X was just walking around now all of a sudden. And, not and just he was kind of fit. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought Professor he was X like, was always in a wheelchair. He was and like now prancing Professor around. Professor X is like, got this dope-ass yeah. helmet. And he's he yeah. wears like black turtlenecks and shit. And he's like, you he know. He like we, Steve Jobs like, yeah. with a fucking, yeah. It he was, looks like a New York about that. Manhattan businessman. And his yeah. body language is super like, like feminine almost. He's just like very... It's Welcome it's actually it's really an intense story. It actually it's even further in where his brain actually gets stolen by the Red Skull, Professor X brain. Like it, it's like a, a really we should probably do this one day where we what kind of story into, are you reading? This is like, a different story, right? This is yeah, this, this is this is just prehistory. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of I wanted to kind of go into kind of why you don't really see his mask that often or his face 
at all once he wears the mask, right? There's, there's, you don't really see his face. And if you ever read um, uh, the Secret Wars book, there's actually uh, Richards is a, like, like, you know, has anybody talked to you guys about the Ultimate Universe and how, you know, the Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four? Well, there's ult- the Ultimate Reed Richards actually looks just like this uh, Professor Xavier. So there's kind of that hmm. homage to kind of that helmet and that kind of uh, Jonathan Hickman again, you know, because he kind of wrote hmm. all that. But that's mm. kind of uh, the history of X-Men in the last, you know, decade or so, which has been pretty intense. Um, but I wanted to kind of throw okay. that out there. And obviously... Well, you the... blew my mind from the start. So now I'm now I'm lost. So let's just... No, it's okay. It, it's just... that's <laughs> It's a new starting point. And that's kind of the point I wanted to make is if you're reading X-Men, you can start all over from this. Like, this is a new beginning, right? Mm-hmm. This is a new world. Um, I'm going to read kind of the... Um, the intro right here for Professor Xavier, and it's humans of the planet Earth. While you slept, the world changed. And that's Professor Xavier. And that's kind of how the story starts, right? Jonathan Hickman does these things where a lot of people think it's a maze, but actually what he does is he puts several different parts of a story in several different areas and gradually moves them into the center so everything makes sense. And that's kind Mm. of what this story is about. So it's kind of... Mm. Uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. You know, I think it's kind of a big deal as, as a comic book reader. So, yeah, I remember that, like the opening scene you see again in like the closing scene and like the, the sitting on the park bench, they reference that with Moira. Like they, they go back there and back there several times. Right. Yeah. So and it's mm-hmm. kind of his kind of all comes together. Yeah. That speech that professor X gives when he says, while you slept, the world changed. I feel like when, when he says that. It doesn't sound. It's it's very menacing sounding to me. Yeah, like it's very much yeah. just like guess what, motherfuckers, we <laughs> are the apex now. Like game I, don't change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Professor X. Like idea. I feel like a Professor X idea ideologically gets a lot closer to like what Magneto's traditionally been. In this in this series, because normally Professor X is kind of just like, oh, we got to live peacefully. And uh, clearly, you know, we know why and we can get into that. But um, I thought that was like a real interesting move for Professor X to be like, all right, fuck it. Magneto's right. Let's do this. Yep. All right, dude. Yeah, he let it. He let his he let his dick out in this. He was just like, fuck being being polite. Dicks on the table. Let's go to battle. Like, this is what's happening. It was fucking Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And I think they wanted to Jonathan Hipkin wanted to have that by the way he looks too. like his suit is all black. Like and he's just got this helmet. He's not attached to nothing like Professor Xavier always had like had to have someone push him or he looked, you know, really weak and inviting. Right. You know, Cerebro was attached, you know, to a machine. And this time Cerebro is is he's wireless, basically. And he's walking around in this very unique he's got this smile on his face the whole time and um it is very menacing that's a that's a really good point and it and you see i got a i got a del toro vibe and it wasn't like the fact that he was super like extreme creature or anything it's just like his style his the way he carried himself it was i don't have you seen the labyrinth Mm-hmm. Del Toro, thing that yeah, there's that thing that puts his hand in his face, like the way it walks around. It always has his hands covering his face. Like yeah, I don't know why, but I got that kind of vibe from him. He's just like very confident, but kind of like didn't know what the fuck he was thinking. Mm. Never saw his actual face, and he was very he just like tried around and like talked about his kids and everything. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. kind of creepy and menacing, like you're saying, uh, and not at all the Professor X you're used to getting. The character awesome. design for Professor X just like is was really cool to me because it like um, it uh, insinuated this level of power without him being like you said menacing and also he's not very large and like the people that would look at him with respect would be Magneto who's just clearly a freaking beast and then apocalypse yeah. who's clearly just this huge monster and it'd be like apocalypse magneto and then professor x this little dude in a turtleneck with like this helmet on but you knew <laughs> that professor x was like the the guy out of those that that three and i felt like that was a cool character design yeah. i believed it i believe yeah it. me too so um, what we'll do is kind of go into a little bit of story. We're, we're obviously we don't want to do spoiler alerts here because we want people to read and get involved. And um, but you know, 
There's we'll do some spoilers. We're, I'm we'll, gonna yeah we'll try not we'll to. Try we're gonna to, but I think what I, what I want is I don't want to go through each individual panel or each individual story. I'll yeah. just kind of like pick you know like some no, really cute. No, we'll points. just forewarn when you give a spoiler alert so listeners can tune off if they don't want to yeah, hear what happens. But we definitely want you guys to listen and and hopefully you know kind of be interested enough to go and buy it right to kind of realize okay i want to read this because of what we're saying and, and those kinds of things so um sure. so one of the big things that jonathan hickman does like i said is he starts stories from a very different spot almost the opposite spot where you think he wants to go and he puts all these points in there and in the beginning of the story you kind of see these panels and there's this flower being picked and then planted in various spots throughout let's say the world Right. And you're kind of wondering what's going on here. And so what he's introducing, which is not a, a, a new character or a new concept, is is the cro, cro, see if I can say Krikoa plants or or uh, island. And he's planting pieces of that island in different areas. And um, <clears throat> and it, it kind of switches over to a point where how kind of where their their ultimate plan is going, what they want to do for a. Uh, uh, a mutant race and they're trying to you can kind of see these things coming together with the plant and then there's some there's some other governments coming to to see them in their place of i guess what do you call it like an embassy for them somewheres you know mm-hmm. um and they're looking to kind of sell this drug which is flower produces for humans and it it acts different for humans and it does for for mutants and for humans it's it's much more of a bigger um much more of a bigger impact, I feel. For the flowers of Kroyoka is the the mutant island of Kroyoka is not just a home for mutants, but the seed of their nation state. It is also the only known producers of the pri- primary e- e- economic um, or resource of the mutant nation, the flowers of Kroyoka. And they give you in the book, they give you kind of descriptions of what they are: human drug L, human drug high, human drug M, and it help and it gives you descriptions on what they do. You know. Uh, Let's see. I could just read one for example. Cure um, cancer, make you live longer, cure, cure uh, mental illness. Yes. Cure. It's essentially just like a, a game-changing pharmaceutical product that the island creates through mutant powers that make it so, you know, humans can live longer and don't have to fear disease. I mean, it's it's a huge thing, and the purpose of it in the story is it's it gives the mutant nation um, trading like trading capacity yes. and market kind of dominance, honestly, a market dominance. And they leverage that market dominance to recognize their own kind of nation state. Exactly. And it's kind of just like anything else, like Wakanda had the vibranium. So they were, a, a, a called, there's no number dollar amount what they're worth because they had this vibranium that nobody else had. And it actually plays a key role yeah. towards the end. And it, so it gets brought up towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of throughout the story, you kind of see the happiness that the pl- that the island is bringing to the X Men, and um, and then you kind of seeing where Tickman is trying to to get you guys to see where the X Men are going, right? So there's a lot of these panels of of uh, characters that we've never seen before and or haven't seen in a new light. Uh, Sabretooth is back in here in a, in kind of the old Sabretooth vintage way with his, you know, violence and killing everybody. Oops, I broke his neck. He's small, weak. I don't sorry, you know, and Sabretooth sucks, dude. Yeah. Dude, yeah. 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 <laughs> <clears throat> um so there's there's kind of this uh uh this kind of, it's kind of great to see all these characters, right? I mean in the new light and um, Cyclops is kind of the other one that kind of you get to see in a new light and a new way. And I know, you know, flexing Zach and uh, <laughs> Cyclops is a savage, bro. It's, He's it's so rooting. dope. He's the best. And I, I, I would like to interrupt this program <laughs> for ahead. one second to ask Jordan one question I've been waiting all <laughs> month to ask. Where is Gambit, my guy? Where's he at? Dude, he didn't make the cut in this storyline. He didn't line. even I, make the was, cut. Like, I, I, uh, we can't even compare the two anymore. Out I just some, need you some, to know. Some honeys. For all of our uh, listeners, we've already given a survey. He hasn't even made the cut in this new story. It's dude, not It's it's non-comparable. It's not a popularity contest for this story. He's a god if he's not king in this of war. Story, Rogue wasn't in the story either. And Rogue's a huge character. You can't just say that. Like, come on I now. thought Rogue was in the story. There's a moment when she gets uh, somebody gets uh, reincarnated. Well, this is, might be a little spoiler. But that was somebody, that was Jean. That was Marvel no. Girl. There's somebody right after Jean, and then Storm goes to, and then she goes, no touching. 
That's not. Uh, that? That, that's that was not famine. Right. That was famine. Yeah, oh, right. oh, I thought that. Yeah. Was, okay. So I will yeah. tell you, there's a reason. There's I think some big names left out. All right. All I'm saying <laughs> is that Cyclops, Cyclops is the god king of war. And there's no Iceman either. I, who's the original X Men? Iceman was in this, dude. Yeah. Just not comparable. There's, you say he's the god of war. Is that what <laughs> god king of war. Yes. Oh my god. Um. Uh, so I will that- say for Zach's for Zach's <laughs> pleasure, I will say this is the best and the coolest I've ever seen. Cyclops was this story arc. Yeah, he did not piss me off in this there's, story arc. There's kind of um, so. it's kind of a, a, a like he had to like reestablish himself in a good way because after Avengers versus X Men, you know, he was kind of like the ultimate bad guy. You know, he had the Phoenix, you know, in his body, and he try to kill everybody basically is what cyclops try to do god so, king of war just so they, which is better than trying this is better than trying to fuck everybody which he's normally trying to do that's so like, true still i feel like we're, we're, we're di- like different sides that. of the same the same thing here <laughs> <laughs> um but and so enters uh magneto and magneto they this these group of people who were going to kind of view kind of what the x-men are up to with this flower um kind of uh enters the ambassador of cryoka which is magneto and everybody's scared right, is, it, is it cryoka or is it krakoa yeah krakoa 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 okay. i'm gonna yeah. get it wrong the whole time okay. i know it um krakoa. that's kind of jr's signature he, i he got like, you yeah, bro i got you well yeah. the problem is you you say it one way in your head and then you try to go in the other at your mouth it's like spins the other way out so that's my biggest problem <laughs> brain brain is just like like ricocheting all the time with words but anyways um <laughs> I love it. Keeps us on our toes. And so anyways, at this point, I mean, Magneto is telling these people, hey, hey, we're going to do what we're going to do. We're just kind of letting you know, you know, we're the bosses and we're actually the next, we're the gods and just be aware, you know, and that's kind of the end of part one of, you know. Magneto doing Magneto things. Pretty much saying, hey, we're going to just let you know, we're going to do this, but we're giving you the courtesy of telling you. And that's kind of like. You can kind of see the partnership between him and Xavier. They're kind of maybe feeding off each other a little bit, and you know that's. And, and what what is actually is the proposal? Because like we have the flowers and everything, but what is like what are they drawing in the sand for mankind in in, in part one? Well, at this point, they want the Krakoa to be an actual nation. Because at this point, there's no there's no like. De- democratic or you know there's nothing saying that hey you're like africa or you're like america they're this yeah. almost hostile state at this point so that's what yeah. they want to do uh, on like top Kikoa of that they, they want to like be alive they want to be recognized as a sovereign nation yes and they also want mutants all around the world to have diplomatic immunity and then be transferred to krakoa for yeah. mutants to be able to rule mutants under mutant law. So essentially they want all mutants to not no longer be governed by any law of any other nation to have immunity sent back to Krakoa and they'll judge themselves, judge, jury, executioner, that kind of legal kind of uh, structure. Right. Yeah. And that happens like mid trial with Sabretooth too. Cause like they're like, he's on basically death row and Emma Frost comes in and is like, ah, yeah. He's a mutant. He's safe. And then, right. Yeah, that shit rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, there's, there's a purpose for it. And they want... There's like an almost like... It's very political almost at every point for, for them. And they're like... It is. Every angle of what they're doing has to be done a perfect way because of this storyline. And that is just mm-hmm. like the tip of everything. And um, obviously, th- th- the next order is Powers of X, number one. F- fun fact. Oh, go ahead. Go Let ahead. me just throw a fun fact in there. That's happened, in my knowledge, a couple other times where people, a certain people have wanted to be rep- rec- recognized as their own sovereign nation. Once African-Americans through the Black Panthers, they wanted to be recognized as their own sovereign nation. And they wanted to rule themselves and have their own government and laws and then judge themselves. And then again, uh, as uh, Native American tribes. Yes, hmm. and fun fact, and yeah. and being a sovereign nation is is kind of a big deal. Um, in fact, I in fact, what my job is, I deal a lot of you know like the Mukashu tribe and and uh, uh, the Puyallup tribe. They actually have this similar like, hey, we want to abide by the rules, but just so you know, we don't have to if we don't like it. Kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind. It kind. They. It kind of is, but it's kind of not, and it's real complicated. And this it's is a comic book podcast. So. Yeah, so it's complicated. But it's <laughs> so let's get let's more just complicated. move right past that. It's complicated. Let's dive deeper. 
<laughs> let's dive deeper. Let's just so, get into the different examples of sovereign tax. nation requests in political history 101. Brought to you by your friendly hop heroes. Here uh, yeah. we go. And it, it's, well, it's nothing Cheers. bad. I, I just have, you know, they're great. I mean, not it's not like it's run, you know, most of the time it's run by people who know what they got to do to get done. It's about money and making money and casinos and blah, blah, blah. So um, nothing bad, but uh, it is a, a very touchy subject. And just as this is. It's a very t- touchy subject with Magneto, and he's like, right. I'm going to do what I got to do. Um, right. And-, and you can see why humans would be like, uh, what the fuck? Are you serious? Because think about it. I mean... Time out. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. Right. If I was a human. Yeah, not, not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, think about it. Because as a, as a human, if you have you know somebody like Sabretooth, who literally just killed people, and then you have somebody like Emma Frost, who's like, yeah... I get it. Like, he just killed your buddy, but he's a mutant, so he can't be in jail. He's got immunity to that. Your well, laws don't matter anymore. Like, I feel like that's, like, not an easy pill to swallow right, for right. any human ever. You know what I mean? That's a huge yeah. ask. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why that's why the, the flower was such a huge uh, bargaining chip, because obviously what they're asking for is borderline ridiculous, but... They're also providing this new medicine that will save millions of lives. And so it's yeah. like, I mean, it's ridiculous, but at the same time, like, no more cancer or Alzheimer's. Yeah, what they're uh, providing is is equally as ridiculous, just on, in the other way and in the good way. So it's kind right. of like the stakes are high on both sides of the scale. Right. Yeah, that's a tough decision to make. It's right. tough. Uh, yeah, exactly. Tough build a sign, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so that's the proposal from Xavier. And the coolest part here is that, obviously, uh, Xavier and Magneto are teaming up and, and having the same vision, which is, has happened in the past, but it always ends up, goes awry. They always see, they always eventually split. But in this, there seems to be some actual hope that they could actually team up and, and stay together. Yeah, like, Professor Xavier is actually starting to lean more towards Magneto's way instead of the other way mm-hmm. around, which has never really worked at all because Magneto's like, nope. I'm gonna and kill why? You. What is what is con- turned Xavier? So this not is to the dark side, but well, this being is more open-minded. This is the next part that I think is very important, and enters uh, Mora Taggart. And Mora Taggart actually is in the past has always just been kind of Professor Xavier's kind of girlfriend, and kind of help him develop these students and mutants and figuring out what their powers are. So she would take them in and. He, she would tell them, okay, this is what you're good at. This is how you do it. And then tell Professor Zaber and help him teach them to use that in the right way and help be kind of uh, assimilated into society. And I think um, mm-hmm. that's kind of what her role been in the past. And in this book, it, things have changed big time. Like she didn't used to be a mutant. Now she's a mutant. And they kind of go through that, her storylines. And there's 10 lives um, lifespans that they kind of discuss in this book and each one is a specific way there's even a deeper thing to this that I did not look into but there's a uh, <clears throat> from what I understand each lifestyle actually is like an old story part of an old story like past of uh, future or the day of future past um, some other some other stuff I mean it's so deep I, I just I was like I'm not going to be here for a century subsea yeah so, so Moira, I just want to kind of just like, because Moira is so important that right. I, I just want to like kind of spend yeah. a little bit of time on Moira. Moira's yeah. power is that when she dies, she gets reincarnated, but she remembers everything from her past life. And the rule kind of that we know of right now as readers is that she gets 10 of these total. Right. So she doesn't, so her first life, she doesn't even realize she's a mutant. She's like, I'm just... A person she ends up being a teacher she marries some dude she lives until she's like 74 and then she dies of natural causes and that's her life and it's awesome then she finds herself in her mother's womb again and she remembers everything from her past life and she realizes oh fuck i'm a fuck i'm a mutant and that's kind of when it starts life too and then you know she i mean i don't know if we we probably can't go through each one because that's just doing the most but basically she learns from each life and she transfers that knowledge almost every time to Professor Xavier and then in other lives to Magneto and then ultimately to Apocalypse in an attempt to save mutants from an inevitable fucking doom. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, so it's 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 very so you're saying Jr. that she didn't have this power previously. And this is a new. This is a new thing. They, they've ne- more have never actually, from what I remember, never was a mutant. Um, she's always just been that helper, that kind of part of you know the greater thing, but not really anything significant. Like it, this is this is t- gotcha. completely different. She's very significant. Yeah, like I, I mean, I would argue that she's the protagonist in this whole arc because everything kind of revolves. I mean, it's like, or you can consider it like uh, what's our uh, our debate in Watchmen, um, Doctor Manhattan. Who's like, the main who's character? The Doctor, yeah, who's the main <laughs> character? Um, but Mora, I mean, this power is so significant, and and from what I understood, she is reincarnated, but she also goes back to when like the time she was born. Like she's yes, so so she relives the same life. Over mm-hmm. and over again, and tries to find solutions elsewhere, and it's it's very interesting thinking of that mindset in a child. Like if you've had ten lives, the full lives already, and you're you're back into a child's form. But also, she ends up running into um, so many different obstacles that she changes sides every. She's trying different things. Like she's teamed up with Xavier. At first, she didn't want to because she said he was thinly thinly masking a god concept of himself. Yeah. <laughs> was, so and, and then and then the next life she has with him, she ends up like screwing him. Yeah, yeah and she ends up falling in love with him, <laughs> and then she goes with Magneto. That goes to shit. She goes with Apocalypse. That goes to shit. Like she goes with tries out all these different things, and then she goes toe to toe with Destiny, who is literally like like her counterpart. She can can read the future or whatever, and it's like a stalemate. Like I don't know. There's just so many cool concepts you can think of with reincarnation being the power. So that, I thought that was like a a tradition of hers or like a historical character, but I love that that's just added in here, and it's such a huge part of it. Yeah, and so interesting. And the the way that like it's not like um, there are a lot of things that people thought that Hickman just kind of thought up on his own. Um, this is probably one of them, maybe. But a lot of her her timelines, her lifespans are actually referenced to old storylines. Like I was saying, the Day of Future Past mm. that was like an old storyline. Uh, the Destiny mm-hmm. thing that's an old storyline that um, actually just I don't know if you know that, but Destiny and um, mystique were kind of lovers in the past you know so there was kind mm. of there's that deal that towards the end that she makes with professor xavier to for for her to be that silent partner oh, to bring destiny back oh yes so there's there's a lot of that in there um and a lot of things that i think we should mention is that in this he's going back and forth from year one to year 100 to year 1000 to to the future to and i think what hickman is trying to establish is where this is going and kind of the outcomes of mora and kind of the outcomes of where the x-men are going and what they're trying to avoid and so one of the biggest things is i think the reason that professor xavier is changing is because of mora's experiences and coming back and telling him and there's a obviously a big reveal at the end of why he does the things he does, and um, you know so it's kind of a big deal what Mora is. And uh, there's this actually a discussion of who is the main character on this? Is it Mora or is it Professor Xavier? And that's kind of a discussion out there right now. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can see I can see uh, either side. Yeah. I don't know though. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of feel like it's Professor Xavier because I think that every time Moira has an experience in, in her life, one way or another, she always makes her way back to Professor Xavier and tells him about that experience, and then that shifts his mindset. And it seems that however Professor Xavier positions himself is like the biggest changing factor on that timeline. However he positions himself is what kind of decides what happens throughout that timeline and so based on that i feel like he's he's like the main guy yeah well, I, whose point of view do you feel like you read the story through i feel like we read it through Mora. we don't read it through professor x necessarily i, I think he, yeah. He yeah, I, I can see that i yeah, i do see yeah. mora i do see mora using professor xavier more as a tool than the other way around like I do, oh for sure so i do feel like for mora sure. is is which is throughout the story i thought it was professor xavier until you read the whole thing and you realize holy shit i just got conned um, and but that's a Jonathan Hickman kind of thing too. Just works. like Professor X, yeah, got so. played just like him. I mean, I don't think he, I don't necessarily believe that Professor X is unaware that he's a tool here. I and think she's pretty. I, I, I kind of feel him. like he's just he just is like down, like whatever it takes right. to to save whoever. Like he'll be whoever's tool exactly. To do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he sees himself losing several times through Moira's visions, and then because he can read her mind, he can literally see what she sees. I mean, right, mm-hmm. flat out. Um, so yeah, so they're creating this uh, this haven essentially in Krakoa, um, and 
they eventually get to a point where Apocalypse, Magneto, and Xavier are all on the same team, yep. which is so cool. And mm-hmm. they all have a mutual threat, who is Nimrod. Now, what's Nimrod's history, JR? So, so Nimrod is, this actually pretty, this is actually a really cool one. Um, Nimrod comes from the storyline, The Day of Future Past. And it's this theory that he is not just like the, um, the Sentinels. He's actually something completely different. He is uh, artificial intelligent, but there can only, there can only be really one Nimrod. Like, he is the ultimate kind of person. He kind of reminds me of Ultron a little bit in the fact that mm. Ultron is, no matter what robot you're looking at, it's it's Ultron. Like, you know that's him. And so Nimrod is basically the same thing. And, and in this timeline, the humans and Nimrod have come together and have obviously destroyed the mutants because the humans are so scared of them that's how it all starts right i mean this is the biggest everybody knows this if you watch the animated series if you read any comics it's humans versus x-men it's because the human race is worried that they're evolving into something different and they're worried that they're going to be conquered um and so nimrod Mm. is a very is an after fact of that and um but he's pretty powerful i mean this is something that there's also been a debate is can uh he fights um apocalypse and beats him you know, is is Mercer. that just yeah. burns him up, and so that's kind of a big debate there too, um, and so that's where you kind of go into the next scene. You kind of see these new mutants, kind of like a they're kind of pieces of older mutants, right? Um, uh, Rasputin and you know some of these other ones that are in there. They look like a little bit of of uh, Colossus, a little bit of Nightcrawler, and um, mm. they're. They're trying to get some information, and what they're trying to do is get where Nimrod, his origins are from. Um, mm-hmm. And and why are they trying to do that? So they can go back and kill it. And where did so they can tell? So they can tell Moira. Yep. In that in that storyline, how Nimrod was created. So then they can kill Moira. So then Moira can be reborn with the knowledge mm-hmm. of how Nimrod was created. So then she can stop him from being created. Correct. Yeah, and and like so, anytime Moira figures out what she needs to know in this life, Wolverine just stabs her in the stomach. Like, All right, you're up, and he just fucking murks her. Like he always right. has that epic scene where he murks he murks Jean Grey. He does that like four different times to Moira, and then she comes back with the knowledge of the next life and reinforms everybody. Which seems like it's a secret weapon. Which well, it is a secret weapon. But it seems like it's like almost like how do you stop that? But Destiny does mention that if she dies as a child before her mutant abilities have developed, she will not come back. Right. Mm. So that's like the one weakness she has is she right. has to die before she's a teen or whatever. Exactly. Which, um she said she she has ten or eleven lives is what she foresaw for her. So, yeah. So after after Moira finds out how Nimrod is created, her next life she becomes a fucking assassin. And starts Dope. just murking every human that has anything to do with Nimrod's creation. What's that fucking hammer? Black Widow style sniper from like 200 yards away just wrecking these people. It's like, wow, dude. Like that's What was the bloodline? What was the bloodline that she was murking? It was the Uh, the Peter Dinklage that played him in Days of Futures Past that that created like the adaptable sentinels. Yes, um, I forget his name. He's got a weird name. I could never pronounce it, but it's like with a B yeah. and a. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, she takes out like his entire bloodline. Or some yep. Of these things. Yep. <laughs> but she finds um, that you kill one weed and two more rise in its place. You know. Yeah, and yeah, um, and then even it, in that timeline, though, we should note. So even in that timeline, Moira starts w- working these guys, and what happens? The Sentinels rise anyway. Artificial t- intelligence rises anyway, and she dies anyway. Um, and so like the, the kind of, there's like a theme that, 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 that plays over all of her, her lives. And it's that no matter what she does, um, somehow artificial intelligence, the Sentinels find a way to be created, rise up and then destroy the mutants. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and I, I feel like there's a, like a, like her first time that we kind of realize, um, kind of what I think what everybody realizes and what a cop apocalypse and I'll kind of show you guys, but this is kind of that part where wolverine they he escapes with the data right and he yep. kind of he goes wake up mora i have it he uh apocalypse knew we might be on the clock so he created some kind of way to force feed the information you need into your mind hold still and it literally this crystal and this goop comes out of her chest and drags that crystal in there she gets the information into her brain and uh this dark you know you kind of get 
I love the way they do this comic stuff because they kind of they Wolverine is now a silhouette, right? He's no longer you no longer see his face, and boom, just right in her gut and ends Mora, and that's kind of what you were saying. Wolverine has to kill her like every time, so that tormented Wolverine I, is back in there. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a better way to kill somebody than a stab through the stomach. Like that's got to be one of the most. I don't painful know. I feel like Wolverine's go. probably pretty good at it. Yeah, like, I think yeah, can make that's it what... quick. But like a knife to the gut, like he bleed out for hours. I've heard. Like, <laughs> nah, that's. I think he's putting it through her heart. He's got to be putting it through her heart. He's got to be. He knows what he's right. doing, dude. He, yeah, I, I trust. I trust Wolverine. But that that scene where they go to the forge to take out the um, Sentinel like creator or whatever. Oh, the like, um, with, they call that the the mat, uh, the mother mold. The mother mold. Yeah, when they go to take out the mother mold, that was such a fucking the sick strike scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Led okay, by... so that's that's a separate timeline. My understanding is. We're about to get real, real confusing uh, here. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think okay, right. but I so, think. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. But that okay. was one step of the plan, right? Or was that a different yes. plan? Yes. Okay. Altogether? So, so, so Nimrod was a timeline in the future, future. Future. That didn't work out, right? So Moira had to get killed to get sent back. Well, the timeline that so let's call it. I mean, X Men current, where they're developing Krakoa, in that timeline. They find this like human sect of scientists that are like developing this sentinel shit out in space. The mother, what's it called? The the callers. The oh the um, well, it's the Orcus is the is the group that's putting the this big Orcus, old Orcus right. is putting this together. Yeah, and it revolves around the sun. So if it ever gets out of control, they can just ship it into the sun. Correct, and correct. Yeah. So they're developing yeah. sentinels, and then the mutants of the current in Krakoa find out about it, and they're obviously like, "Well, we—that's like the fucking thing we can't have happen." So they <laughs> develop a team led by the God King of War, <laughs> and he has that's the dopest scene so where he's like, "They're basically telling Cyclops, like, listen, you know, I don't think you guys are going to survive this." And then Cyclops is like, "Well, does it have to be done?" And then uh, uh, Professor X is like, "Yes, it does." And then he's like. Well then, it'll be done. And then he just like it's like, oh, it's so bad. And Zach sent that panel to all of us like three yeah, different times. Like, oh my <laughs> god, get it's like the tatted as a chess thing. piece. Um, god, it's so cool. But anyway, so Cyclops, it was badass. It was badass. It was so savage. So then Cyclops uh, assembles a team and they fly out to this space station um, to deal with with the threat. But that's current time. That's like not the Nimrod timeline. That's like current timeline. Right, there's almost oh, okay. there's almost like there's a one constant timeline, and it's the timeline where everything is being fixed up because of what Mora can do. Like, and that's kind of yeah. think, think of that as the meat in your sandwich, right? That's the meat in your sandwich. Like that timeline is going to be constant because that's the timeline that they are fixing right now, um, trying to make it the end. And so, um, and that's a very great you know moment for the X Men is where kind of there's actually a moment where Cyclops is not really sure of himself. And Magneto and Xavier kind of standing out in the distance, and you know, Mag- you know, Professor Xavier standing like this, and you know, Magneto's like, "What the fuck?" You know, and they kind of talk to him and lean into him and say, "Hey, you got this. This is what you're meant for. This is who you are." He's no longer the Dark Phoenix. You know, he's no longer the guy in the background in the last couple of storylines. Because in the last decade or so, Cyclops has kind of been this side character to almost or this villain you know so now he's like this is what who you are you are the leader you can fight for this um now he's taking that edge and using it for good yeah he's <laughs> and so um it's kind of that classic classic wolverine that where we started off in the beginning where he had he's not nothing's gonna shake his morals you know he's gonna go after him and they send that seal team basically to the, the Orcus, um, which is um, <clears throat> another kind of homage when uh, Hickman did did the uh, the new New Avengers and um, Tony Stark was building this spaceship out there, and this is what what they use for that. By the way, they're using Tony Stark stuff, this Orcus, to, oh, wow. to continue the Mother Mold because of who That's they so are. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, and and spoiler alert: if you don't want to know what happens, don't listen. But when they go to fucking destroy that mother mold shit goes down i mean mm-hmm. so we got who do we got on the sh- strike team we got cyclops we got wolverine we got nightcrawler we got mystique we got archangel uh, um the, the person i thought jean was jean gray jean gray not her G- jean gray there's, there's another girl though are you talking about the one that has the claws come out she's like no the one that said don't touch me when she came came back oh i don't remember who is that i don't remember 
Um, her name Oof. is. It's a tough one to say. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the. <laughs> the there's another. There's and another girl. And another, and another girl. girl. She's but kinda, essentially like she's very anti-social. Everyone gets wrecked. <laughs> yeah. Very, the anti. Everyone gets girl. wrecked. Yeah. Like they like they real like Mystique gets thrown out of a fuck into space. Like they just open the fucking blast door, she gets shot out. Archangel gets killed when they have like an explosion on the ship. Yeah, he don't even get uh, off the co- he don't even get out the ship. He's, yeah, he <laughs> dies he's, in the he's ship. the guy that doesn't even make it past uh, the gate. Oh, Zach, are you talking about the girl that saves Jean Grey by like, shooting her out into space and then like protects her while she's doesn't save her though. She ends up dying anyway. But she yeah, has too. Yeah. And then uh Nightcrawler teleports Wolverine into oh, the fucking into the actual center of the spa- spaceship, which is exposed to space, so he can just claw at it while he's just decaying, and Nightcrawler implodes, and everybody goes down, and it's like, holy shit. Like, Cyclops gets his head blown off. Right. Yeah, Cyclops, he's like, sorry, Gene, not going to make it, and then boom, you see his mm-hmm. cracked ass. Like, exactly, and all the while, Gene, oh or uh, Marvel Girl, the emotional or roller coaster. is communicating to this kind of like pod of X-Men because they're so far out Professor Xavier needs help kind of and this this connections so you know you got Storm and you've got Magneto and you've got this kind of pod of people that she's telling the story of what's happening to them right now and uh, it's a very very uh, epic epic scene like you say Wolverine gets transferred out to the center and obviously, like you're saying, um, Nightcrawler can't even last a second. He boosts and he bursts into dust. <laughs> he just bursts into dust. Yeah. And and Wolverine is just like, you, and it's actually a really great scene there because um, <clears throat> there's two really great scenes. It's the Cyclops scene where he. If talks. Hugh Jackman was doing that in space in theaters while the fucking things, I, like I was just on a collision that. course to the sun, and he's just fucking tearing Dude. apart the metal while he's. I yeah, was oh just thinking that. I feel like that enti- this entire strike force like scene go- getting sent out to space to so, like you have one mission like and the scene with Cyclops and then Wolverine at the end that's a movie dude. Like that, that's a blockbuster that right was, here. Like, that would make it gives me about. goosebumps just thinking about. Yeah. It. Yeah. And I think it's a, I'm gonna, I'm going to read this uh Wolverine scene really quick cuz I think it's a really kind of dramatic scene but um Nightcrawler is talking to him and he says you ready? And he goes, uh, and Wolverine's like, I, I gotta ask you, you still think there's something waiting for us on the other side? I mean, there's kind of this belief thing, like, what am I gonna make it? And Wolverine is, is a very complicated mutant because it's not just the fact that he can heal, he's had some things added to him because he can heal. So it's not like he can come back with his ultimate powers. Like, he has, he comes back weaker or something, you know what I mean? Like, do I get mm. my, this adamantium seal is not part of his mutants gene it's just something they've added mm. to him to make him a weapon i didn't think about that that's true and he goes uh nightcrawler goes worried about your soul logan and <laughs> just wondering what someone like me should expect and nightcrawler goes when you wake from this earthly slumber my friend look for me i'll be there waiting for you and boom they transfer over and that's that's kind of like you kind of see a softer side to wolverine there he's like where do i go yeah. when i die and it's like who knows, dude? Because <laughs> you're kind of a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? Because you're you're kind of a serial killer, dude. <laughs> kind of a serial like, killer. Who knows, man? Um, yeah. And then, of course, Cyclops gets shot in the head uh, by that. Uh, I, I think we forgot to mention in this storyline. There's from the beginning and kind of where Nimrod was. There's this being in there. She's kind of a a mixed human AI kind of person, and she's in the on the ship, and she kind of you know kills. Cyclops and um, everybody obviously dies like you're saying and at the end of this portion um, there's tears coming down Professor Xavier's face and he's saying no more no more and I think that was like a, a that was, when I read that I was like holy shit like this story just took another level here like what's going on yeah here? dude I was like oh my god everybody's gone yeah and then the next thing happens yeah it's kind of like the end game we thought this was the end um, so then yeah. uh, the next part is kind of I think what people need to know about Jonathan Hickman is he has explanations for about everything he does. Like, so, and he kind of gives that to you in kind of almost like a cold blast. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? He kind of talks about and enters Mr. Sinister and Mr. Sinister is a piece of shit. He's always been a bad guy and he's always been an asshole. I have never read, never read him, but I loved him in this story. I thought he was so fucking funny. And, And he's kind of always been this kind of sneaky, like, traitor like double cross kind of person 
Um, actually, and his name was, um, let's see if I wrote that down. There's so much stuff, man. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, but anyways, he started off, he started off as a human and, and he loved, he, he was wondering about genes, like the human genes, the mutant genes. And he started doing experiments and he met Apocalypse and Apocalypse like basically liked him and turned him into Sinister where Sinister can create oh. any kind of gene and replicate and make clones and, um, that's kind of where he he becomes this, you know. So he wasn't a uh, superpowered at all. He was a regular human being before he met Apocalypse. Yeah, he was a regular person. Uh, his name was Nathaniel Essex before he became Mister Sinister, and okay. he's kind of like another uh, Ultron. Where you're like, is he dead? Is he not dead? Did he transfer his conscience? Like, where is the actual legit Mister Sinister? And you kind of see that a little mm. bit in this one. Um, where you kind of yeah, chop, like you get tricked a little bit, right? So cool. Let me hear it, Jordan. The Xavier and Magneto they go to his lair, which is I don't even know where that's at. Um, but there's just all these Mister Sinisters around, and there's one on a throne, and they're basically trying to convince him to. They this is back in in time. They want him to create a, a, a like a hard drive or a file and log the the DNA. Um, of all of the mutants in the world, so as they kind of like have like on back, on back stock for what, if they ever need it down down the line. Um, for what I understood, he wants them to create like a database of mutant DNA, basically for all the mutants alive, so they can store it. And this guy is like sitting on the throne, like basically telling him to fuck off. And he then he starts like acknowledging Magneto's cape, and he's like obsessed with his cape, like that cape is fantastic. And then <laughs> he has like a right hand guy, and the right hand guy goes, "Yeah, I almost thought about telling you to get one the other day." He goes, "But you didn't." And he's like, "Well, no." Then he just fucking like kills him like, right in front of everybody because he didn't tell him to get a cape. And then it's just like, wait, what? And he that that was like this. He's just very like in awe about Magneto's cape and how he carries himself wearing a cape. And he kills his right hand man because he didn't tell him to get a cape in, enough time. And then while the guy's like he's not this this one's not this Mr. Sensor's not having their plan, another Mr. Sensor comes in and kills him from behind, who's wearing like this ultra like dope ass cape. And he goes, I'm a mutant, Mr. Sinister, I will listen. And then he kinda like joins their their plan. From what I understand. Is that is that how it happened? Yes, they kind of they kind of yep. have to go into this way this mode of like, do we want to deal with Sinister? But he has something that we need and we need to kind of team up with him and that's kind of what happens in that scenario like they know that what hickman showed was this chaos of sinister like man this guy is nuts like it's chaotic and he's <laughs> he's just absolutely like, he talks to himself basically every time like he's that's who he's doing he's talking to himself uh, and he's like going nuts and killing yeah <laughs> killing versions of himself and just like flipping out yeah and stupid so shit. they're kind of going in like hickman showed that they're gonna go into this team up regardless of how <laughs> how crazy it is for their grand purpose, um, and it kind of that's kind of how that scene ends. Um, the next scene kind of talks about uh, say it again the the Krakoa 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 yeah and it kind of Krakoa Krakoa and there's kind of how they establish how they're able to communicate with them. Uh, Krakoa showed up in uh, a giant size X Men number one in 1975 as like a, almost like a bad guy. A, a, a mutant that ate, you know, another ate the X-Men and they fought them. And um, it's kind of like this big old plant thing that looked like um, the Swamp Thing, you know. So, um, but this is kind of a different version of it. Yeah, but like the island is alive, right? It's Isn't alive. Like Koa, like the, yeah, and they like use a whole, being. a whole being and they use Cypher, uh, who is like this, um, that's his That's his mutant power is he can translate and communicate and and create languages for anybody or anything at all times so that's who they that's who right. professor uses professor x uses to to kind of start talking to Krokoya and kind of get them on the team for what they want and they kind of they kind of talk about the history there and how it broke off from one big one big land to two different lands um and there's kind of a lot of history there and some mystery as well so it's really not a lot of details that go into it um but yeah, Apocalypse it, fought that war, though. Yeah. He was, he was a part of that battle. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of the end of the, the the book there. There's some stuff that talks about the future, and there, there's this big supreme being that's starting to develop in this background um, in year, whatever, millionth year, uh, year 1000, and talking about ascension and 
where did the X-Men go to? Where did the humans go to? Where did the robots go to? And you're kind of, uh, Hickman starts to kind of develop that storyline in, in these books. So, um, yeah. Well, well, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot that happens. Like what they, the reason that they needed Mr. Sinister was to create that database. But what did they use with that database? That's and in, with Cerebro. Like, that's in the next section. Beware. I mean, are, are we... Are, are we gonna go, go into that, or is that too spoilery? No, let's go into it. I think it's a really important okay. part of why, yeah, they brought him in. This part's crazy. Okay, yeah. so so um, basically, my understanding is that they, uh, Professor X, put together a team of mutants called the Five, and they all had different powers. And but if you combined those powers. Combined with uh, the database of all mutant genes and that uh, Mister Sinister created, and um, uh, Professor X's Cerebro, like his ability to um, download personalities, I think he ends up downloading the personalities of all mutants. Basically, what they can do is they can resurrect mutants when they die. Right, and so they create Straight up resurrect them. They created these pods, and um, you kind of there's a where professor xavier this is kind of where his power goes to another level he kind of has a backup of every single mutant ever existed and there's backups and backups and there's a part later down the storyline how that got developed um i think we should just go to it now because um yeah it, it, he's using uh shayar um technology to kind of do that and he asked forge who I picked during my Apocalypse 4. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sure you loved him, like, having uh, such a huge role. His bandana... <laughs> his bandana is worse than than uh, Gambit's, so it's really hard to, like, really like him. Uh, Wait, what? Oh, uh, we were talking... What, what? We were talking Gambit about... Gambit doesn't have a he's got bad a, bandana. He's got a really yeah, bad... Yeah, he, he sucks. Um, he's got a dope-ass headband, if that's what you're <laughs> So... But anyways, he he asked Ford to create that helmet that he's wearing now, and being able to download every single human uh, mutant that he's ever existed, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And he uses uh, Sihar technology to do that, and so that's where uh, Sinister comes in. And we kind of go back to where it was at the beginning of the book, where Professor Xavier is walking and he's holding some guy's head that's shooting a little beam out of his eye, and it's Cyclops being reborn from death, right? They all come back mm-hmm. and they kind of go yeah. into explanation on how this works and why they did it. And um, <clears throat> and that kind of transfer of these bodies that look like them, but yet they're not them until Professor Xavier transferred over their who they are. And people mm-hmm. in uh, mutants themselves wanted to know, is that really them? Is that really Cyclops? Is that really Jean Grey? And so they kind of go through this test with Storm that she promotes and they're standing there naked in front of everybody, which is weird. But um It's like Adam and Eve. Yeah, almost like yeah, Adam and Eve. Garden of yeah. Eden. And so she goes through that and puts them all through this test and there's actually things that they say in here that are actually from other storylines down the down the line or down the past, like when Storm and Cyclops went to battle over leadership of the X Men. There's that that line in there. And so um and so she convinces them, hey, this is this is who they are. We can reproduce our own people. And the reason that they're older is because of one of the powers as the guys has is controlling time and able mm-hmm. to develop them to being adults where they left. Yep. So that's I think yep. that's a right, that's, that's pretty that's different. I've never seen that before in X Men. <laughs> that that's is different. Pretty different. That's they created different. immortality with a group of mutant powers and, and the cool yeah. thing is I mean Forge shout out to JR's uh, team Four Horsemen Forge yep. and ah! I got my boy Elixir on there Four Horsemen Elixir appearance he was in there you know like they're just making this shit go cray and mm-hmm. it it blows my mind that like yeah all these like the that adds to the like Adam and Eve is a perfect represent like it's almost like Krakoa is the Garden of Eden with like how they can create literally create life um, eternally in this yeah self-sustainable habitat and like it, it it makes you feel like no matter what goes wrong everybody just died you're at the bottom and all of a sudden you have this hope and they can just bring them all right back because like okay mm-hmm. this this vision might actually be legit like this yep. world they've created might have a future yeah so let's take a time out real quick and let's just let's just recap everything that we've said so far because we've talked about a lot of things we've covered a lot of a lot of stuff in this hour for our listeners who have made it this far so we have Professor Xavier, who lives in a certain timeline. 
we have him being visited by Moira, who can live multiple lives. In each of these lives, she sees mutants being destroyed by machines. In one timeline, it's Nimrod. In most other timelines, it's the Sentinels. So she comes back to Professor X and has him read her mind, and he sees all those different timelines and all those different ways of failing, basically, um, mutants' survival. So based on that, he goes to Magneto, teams up with Magneto, and creates a nation-state on Krakoa. On Krakoa, he finds a way to literally resurrect mutants from death, and in doing so, he saves the strike team, who he sent out to destroy Sentinels while they were in early, early development. They got sent there, they kill the Sentinels, but they die in the process, and then Professor X resurrects them on Krakoa in, in time. That's that's literally where we're at right now. Yes. Whew. Wow. Oh, Lord. Yes. Yeah. That's like uh, <laughs> centuries of, of history right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, that wraps up this week's uh, episode of The House and Powers of X, part one. Thank you guys so much for listening, and tune in next week where we break down the second part of the saga, um, rank the story, and dive beneath the ink with a very interesting concept Zach brings to the table. Catch you guys then. <laughs>